Welcome to the Game Plan Podcast with Judah Newby and Brian Perkins, breaking down all things Seahawks. Well, the bye week treated the Seahawks very well, I would say. They go into the Motor City as three-point underdogs, come out 14-point winners. Seahawks 28, Lions 14. This is the Game Plan Podcast. He's Brian Perkins. I'm Judah Newby. Back in the wind, Colin Brian. And boy, this one felt good from beginning to end. Yeah, it really did. It's the first time it feels like in quite some time where, save, I mean, even the opening drive, they had to punt. But didn't you feel good? They moved the ball to about midfield, stalled, but you were like, man, this is good. It's good to see them once again clicking early like they did against the Raiders. And then, of course, the Lions go down and score. Tedrick Thompson with a blown coverage, pretty bad. You're a little frustrated, but immediately the Seahawks uh, mend things with a touchdown of their own and pretty much smooth sailing from there on out. I can't remember the last time that I wasn't really nervous for the Seahawks at any point during the game, except for maybe the pass interference call when they could have put it to a score. But man, you're right. What an overall effort defensively, offensively, special teams, man, just a, an a plus game from every side of the ball. The 21 point second quarter. I couldn't tell you the last time they scored that many points in a quarter. I'm sure someone's all over it, but uh, to be able to score three times in a row, coupled with the, you know, fumbled kick return from Detroit, Amir Abdullah, that was, you know, the turning point in the game right there. You're down 7 nothing after one, put up three touchdowns consecutively in quarter two, have a 21-7 halftime lead, and I was stunned at how well Seattle's defense played against a Detroit offense that I thought was starting to find itself. They were running the football with Carrion Johnson and Amir Abdullah. They were throwing it pretty well as well, and Stafford at home indoors. But, uh, you know, even though he had a decent game, Seattle defense played very well in this game. To hold that team to 14 points in their own building, this Seattle defense, hey, it might be good. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And uh, honestly, you could even argue is really just seven points, right? I mean, the the touchdown that came late in the game or in the fourth quarter, they were playing very soft, they not were, not yeah. very aggressive at all, really allowing them to take whatever they wanted because they don't care. Look, if it takes you six minutes to get in the end zone, if you're the Lions or seven minutes, you're not winning this game when you're down three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. So. Just props to Pete Carroll, man. I I can't stress enough. This just really reinforces how good of a coach he is, especially defensively, right? You know, you talk about the players he's had in the past, and, you know, he brings in Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill, and Earl Thomas gets drafted and all these different guys. And, yes, those are all really good players, and they're special players, Richard Sherman. But I think it speaks a lot to how good of a coach he is and how well he can improve talent by looking at no names that have come in this season. And, have, I mean, look at Flowers. Week one, I mean, you were like, oh, my God, this is going to be a long season. And he's playing like one of the best corners in the league. Well, he's getting his hands on guys that he drafted. Tedrick, yeah. even Delano had to come in for McDougald. Flowers, Shaq, Griffin, both. Uh, KJ played really well in his first game back. Barcavius gone on a fumble. Um, he's getting his hands on guys that he handpicked for his team along with his scouting staff and his assistants and coaching them. And yeah. at some point, I think that wasn't uh, demanded from him during the LOB era the last couple of years because they became so fine-tuned themselves. They were kind of their own guys. You know, that's, that's I think, the flip side to having such a unique crew and a, a unique uh, set of defenders like that is – 
you are almost, you know, coaching is not demanded out of you when you have a Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, and playing a relatively simple scheme. It is demanded out of you when you've got these young guys, and he's getting the best out of them. It's fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. Pete Carroll took this team back this offseason, right? Changing defensive coordinator, took over the reins there, uh, even offensively, changed the philosophy. He said, we're going to do things my way, and I think that there were some nerves there a little bit offensively, which have maybe been spelled a little bit, but defensively, it's it was ever hard to question him because he's always produced top products uh, in his time in Seattle, and Man, I'm just really impressed with the turnaround defensively this year. His team is four and three. Four and three, baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's better than I thought they'd be. You also look at the touchdowns they score in this game, 28 points unanswered. Coming in the span of a little less than a quarter. You scored your first one at 14-15 in the second quarter. You scored your last one at uh, 14-23. But I guess I take that back of the fourth quarter, not the third quarter. So... Yeah, it was more like, you know, 21 points, then shut out third quarter, and they score late one late. So my math was wrong on that. But needless to say, you're right. It didn't feel um, out of hand really at any point. A lot of Golden Tate and Bobby Wagner meetings, which was fun. Um, What was your favorite play from this game? Ooh, favorite play. Well, obviously what comes to mind is the fake punt. Yeah. (laughs) Of course, with uh, Big Balls Dixon, as I guess they're calling him now. After that play, uh, to to seal the deal, and the game was was pretty much in hand. But my just God. out of curiosity, why do they call him Big Balls? I think it's because he might uh, take chances every now and then. Oh well, when you put it that way, it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to see how you could explain <laughs> that for me, really quick. That was a great play. It was. Uh, you know, I think that you know more has really come on. Just anytime you throw the football his way, you get excited, don't you? Honestly, though, the touchdown to Lockett might have been my favorite play of the game. Just when you talk about the route that he ran, he beats his defender, and just a perfectly placed ball by Wilson where only Lockett can get it. Great concentration by Lockett, who's so good at tracking the ball midair. One of his greatest strengths to come down with that and stay in bounds. Just a phenomenal touchdown. Yeah, I loved um, Russell Wilson in this game, 14 of 17, and three touchdown passes. I mean... That's pretty amazing, um, uh, that kind of a ratio, 3-0 TD to pick. My fav- One of my favorite plays from this game was his QB keeper in the first half, and he gets isolated on the defensive end contain, and he just <laughs> stutters, fakes inside, fakes inside, and then goes around and picks up 11 yards, <laughs> put the football over the sticks. I love that. So I got fired up watching that just because that's what makes him different. That's what makes him different. It's a little basketball move out there. The Lions played the play well, the read option. You had a guy out there containing, shading inside, but the Seahawks have Russell Wilson, and every so often he'll make a play like that that's like no one else can make that play other than number three for Seattle. And even though it was just a small play in the big picture of a great day, it just reminded you how special he can be, which is always a welcome reminder. Chris Carson went 25 carries for a buck five. And one touchdown, only 4.2. But it felt like he was setting the tone on offense. He did really well. Yeah, and honestly, late in that game, I mean, I think the fourth quarter, the game script changed, obviously, when you're up before they scored the the third touchdown. When, when you're up, fourth touchdown, excuse me, they obviously were going to run. Detroit knew they were going to run, so their numbers got knocked down a little bit. So you have to think that as a team, yeah, they averaged about four yards a carry, but it seemed more effective than that for most of the game. Uh, so... 
you know, Carson played really well. Mike Davis, they just have so much. Rashad Penny didn't even see the field, I don't think. Uh, definitely didn't get a carry. Kick returns. That's kick, it. Kick returns is pretty much it for him at this point, and rightfully so, because Carson and Davis have really established themselves, you know. Rush defense was very good. Lions only 2.6 yards a carry. They rushed for 34 yards as a team a week after Carrion Johnson lit it up in Miami. He had a big day in the receiving game, but a lot of that was second half, you know, checkdowns. Seattle defensively in the rush game was very good. And honestly, Seattle averaged 4.2 yards a carry as a team in this game too. And I was a little bit worried about that because right before, you know, the game on Wednesday, I believe, the Lions traded for Damon Harrison, the run stuffer from the New York Giants, kind of catches your attention. I mean, his job is stuffing the run, but Seattle still did really nicely. That's off to the O-line. Yeah. Yeah, we're not talking about him, which is good. Uh, you know. Yeah, we should be. In a podcast like this, you're inevitably going to leave off somebody deserving uh, from the lead of your take. You know, we could have started with Chris Carson, could start with Russell or whatever. Got to start with the defense, though, in my opinion, like we did. And and ultimately now, though, the O-line, man, they they deserve all the credit in the world for how they're playing. Yeah, no, they really do. It's uh, it's pretty incredible what Solari has done. I mean, and they looked pretty bad the first few weeks. Now, granted, you're going up against Khalil Mack and Von Miller, uh, so not an easy task. But, you know, it really looks like Effetti has settled down a lot. Uh, the penalties just aren't there for him anymore. You know, Brown is looking like the pro bowler that he's been in years past. And Fluker has just been a monster, pancaking guys left and right. Uh, he's been a big change. But, I mean, it just goes to show you that – you know, when you can bring in a competent coach at that position, what you can do and and the type of talent that you can you can help grow. Because my God, Tom Cable was terrible. Clearly, in his time in Seattle, if if it just took you know a player like DJ Fluker and and a, you know coaching for six weeks or eight weeks to turn things around. So great to see Ed Dixon part of this team. He got his first action. Had a a long forty two yard catch. Went down a little too easily. I felt at the end of the long catch and run, but. And he had the touchdown. Ed Dixon, two for 54 and a touch. And his career averages against the Lions receiving is double to any other team. Is that right? Receiving yards, yeah. Wow. So I guess they were just saving him for the uh, the secret weapon there for that game. I guess so. Uh, yeah, you know, and honestly, the, the, one thing I, the one thing that concerns me a little bit moving forward, not to be too negative, but the touchdown drive that should have been that would have given them 35 points probably to end this game. Doug Baldwin, really surprised he didn't get two feet down in the back of the end zone. Very, yeah, I un- thought that was going to be a catch. Yeah, a very un-Doug Baldwin of him, and I just wonder how healthy he is or if he's still rusty or what's going on because that's a play that he makes most of the time. I don't know what was going on for him to not complete that. And also, how about a rule change where if a guy gets pushed out of the back of the end zone, he's allowed to come back in? And reestablish himself for catching the ball? Or if he gets pushed out, that I agree. Secondly, this shouldn't be loss of down. Yeah. I mean, if it's a penalty, it's a penalty. But that's third down, and like he caught the ball after being pushed out and comes back in. You know, if if it's a penalty, sure, but make it like a holding. It's 10 yards, but you keep the ball, and we can kick a field goal there. Yeah, Not complete a pass into the end zone and have it be a turnover on downs. Like that's terrible. Yeah. I mean it's it's a double whammy because it's uh if I mean, why wouldn't any player just if the minute the minute a quarterback leaves the pocket, just push a guy out of bounds? Well they try. Yeah, they should. They do. Every literally every time. Just they do. I mean, because 
That's just a ridiculous rule. It's almost as bad as defensive pass interference. Um, Justin Coleman, a nice pick at the goal line. I thought he was going to slip out the end zone for a second for a touch for a safety. (laughs) He had a great interception, read it, coverage perfectly, you know, picked it off. And then he was at the two-yard line. I thought he was going to go into the end zone. But he went out of bounds at the half-yard line. So thank you, Justin Coleman, for not making me rip my hair out, whatever little hair I have left. I'm just, I was thrilled, start to finish with this team. Great right, effort. Moving forward, LA Chargers off of a bye week in Seattle. This is going to be a good football game. And I tell you what, this is going to be a big, big test because the style of football that Seattle plays when they're executing it well, I think they can compete with just about anybody. And we saw it when they competed with the Rams a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and Seattle at home is is a just a. I mean, they, they looked really good yesterday, so it's hard to say like they're a different team at home. They are on the road. If they play like that on the road, they're going to be just fine <laughs> through the rest of the year. But you know, when you're at home, there's there's a clear advantage there, which has to make you feel a lot better about this game. And you know, the, while it's an interconference opponent, so maybe for tiebreakers and things like that, it's not as important. The home games are really important for Seattle. When I mean, look, the Rams are out of reach at this point. I mean, they really are. It's going to take a monumental meltdown on their end, some major injuries or something for them to, you know, especially beating the Packers yesterday and in the fashion that they did. <laughs> so games like this are really important because you got to take care of home field and then win some of those tough road games against teams like the Panthers down the line and maybe even a division rival, even though the Niners don't look very good right now. Uh, you're going to have to find a way to win these home games if you want to be in the playoff run come late season. Chargers, Rams, Packers, and Panthers, who are 5-2, and two, coming up in the next four games. Yeah. Very challenging part of the schedule, but confidence is there with this team. And you know what? Satisfaction was there on Sunday. I had a lot of fun watching this one, as I trust Seahawk Nation did as well. Just but... beat Phillip Rivers. I can't stand the guy. Yeah. We just beat him, please. Too many kids. It's like we have an overpopulation problem, right? Yeah. I mean, you know... I mean, he has more kids than playoff wins. That's all you have to know about Phillip Rivers. Oh! Whereas Russell Wilson does not. He has more <laughs> playoff wins than children. Does he have a biological son yet? I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm kind of out of the loop on all that stuff. I just don't care enough to pay attention to any of that. Yeah. The only time I care is if it turns into like some petty squabble between players. Then I'm I'm down. I'm grabbing the popcorn. I'm good. Dude, give me that popcorn. <laughs> Microwave. <laughs> Like, NBA off-the-field Twitter feuds are better than NBA on-court. Although the on-court ones is, the on-court feuds have been good, too, lately. Yeah, yeah. Feuds in general in the NBA. What a league. Yeah, it's incredible for that. Like The commissioner that looks like me, except worse. (laughs) Yeah, man. It's, uh, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting matchup this weekend, but it's, I'm just glad we're able to have this conversation, because I think... Uh, you were looking at, God, four or five wins maybe after week two. I mean, they looked bad offensively, but Schottenheimer's now really opened things up. A lot of play action, and Russ is so good off of play action and the deep ball, and it's really great to see them be aggressive. And yes, they're running a lot on first down and second down, but you saw them take some shots and early downs as well. Really like to see that. Always. You just want to see Doug Baldwin get healthy because imagine the trio of Baldwin, Lockett, and Moore all healthy. It's going to be a great Lethal. last two months, baby. Lethal. All right, he's Brian Perkins. I'm Judah Newby. We just used the word lethal to describe part of the Seahawks offense, <laughs> and hell has frozen over. For the over. first time since t- t- late 2015. Oh, my goodness.
We'll be back later in the week to preview the LA Chargers and Seattle Seahawks. This is the Game Plan Podcast on 1029thegame.com.